All right, as we get started this morning, we are starting a new series titled The Family of God. And I'm extremely excited about what this series uh, has for us. Uh, There is um, a podcast I want to call your attention to that this series, I'm going to say, is loosely based off of. uh, And you can find that on the Bible Project. And if you just type in Family of God, there's a whole set of podcasts that you can listen to. I have not listened to any of them because what I don't want to do is just come up here and parrot what they're saying, right? So I am pouring over the scriptures. I'm looking at some of their main emphasis points and I'm seeing how those fit and and how they apply and what scripture is actually saying. And so I'm delivering to you what I feel like is in the word of God. My hope is that if you do decide to go listen to those podcasts, that you will naturally hear some repeated material just because that's what's in scripture. But I want to do offer that encouragement to you. I also want to say before we get started, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I know that I would not be the person that I am today. Uh, I would not be here. I probably would not be alive if it wasn't for the fact that I have a grade A bona fide 100% world-class mama. Okay. Now, I also want to recognize those of you today that are struggling. Okay. Because I know that today is hard. Some of you, the desire of your heart is to be a mom. And that desire was not met for you or or has not yet been met for you. And I know that that is tough. Some of you are estranged from your parents, from your mothers. And I can't imagine that being the case because I know no matter how bad of a son I am, no matter how long it goes in between me calling my mom to check in on her, I can call her She will pick up the phone and she will be there. I know she's praying for me and I know she's thinking about me every day. And some of you don't have that relationship right now. And I'm sorry. Some of you are mamas who have lost babies. And I don't even know what to tell you other than I'm sorry. And I'm praying for you today because I know personally, that that's tough. I know personally that's tough. Some of you are experiencing your first Mother's Day without your mama. I know that's hard too. This is the first one without my nana. I'm probably going to cry through the rest of this sermon. That has nothing to do with Mother's Day. Because I woke up and it hit me and it was hard. Okay, so While this is a glorious day, and it is, and there are moms out there that deserve to be celebrated, and we will celebrate you today, and I hope your loved ones will celebrate you today, and you deserve it, please recognize that for many out there today, this is a tough day. It is difficult, and they need our thoughts, and they need our prayers as well, okay? So, that was half of my left lung. Um, Bronchitis, right? Eventually, I'm going to go to a doctor. I have an appointment set up like two months out or something, so... American health system, it's when they can get me. If I don't die before then, uh, I'm sure I'll be better. Now, as we look at the family of God, right, there are many ways, there are many ways that Christians in our world are identified. We have the Western church, right, or Western Christianity. And oftentimes when that term is used, we use that as, oh, look how easy it is for us, right, as Christians. And, and if we're being frank, it is because as Christians, it's easy for us. And 
as far as we look at Western Christianity, right? Because in many places in our world, to be a Christian is to be an outcast. To be a Christian is to be a pariah. It is to, it is, it is to be constantly under persecution and the threat of violence. And that, luckily, thank God, is not something that we face here, right? So there's the Western church. And then you have the North American church, which uh, pertains of, of, of more than uh, just the United States, but Canada and, and uh, Mexico, right? Mexico is part of North America. I'm trying to, I think that's right. Uh, thank you, somebody. I, I didn't want to say Central America because I knew that was different, but Right? We, then we have the North American church, and, and we've got the African church, which is exploding and vibrant and beautiful and growing faster than any other region around. And then we have the underground church of China, which is kind of what I talked about in that first little clip, where they are just constantly under the threat of persecution. They are not welcome in their own country, and they have to do everything in the secrecy of their world. And these are just a few. There are strong Christian groups all over the world in the Middle East, and they don't get a lot of attention because uh, they're not usually the ones bombing folks. And, and I feel like I can get away with saying that because I'm Middle Eastern myself. So if you have a problem, talk to my father. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Dad, if you're watching, I love you. Um, within each one of these regions, there are numerous denominations. There's numerous separations that nail down the specificities of what each group and each individual church family believes, right? And so with this kind of division in our world, it's really easy to start to see things as us and them. It's easy to start seeing things as here and, and there. But it's not what separates us that holds significance. It's not what separates us that holds significance. It's what binds us together that matters. Collectively, every Christian in our world makes up the family of God. And that is very significant. And so over the next eight weeks, right, including today, we are going to be talking about what it means for us to be a part of the family of God and just all the little intricacies that have to do with that. Now, if we are to simply look at the numbers, there's currently about 2 billion Christians in our world. 2 billion, okay? Um, 530 million of which are in Europe, followed by 510 million, which are in Latin America. Africa has about 390 million, and Asia has 300 million. And then the U.S. is like, yeah, somewhere down on the list at 290 million. And maybe you're like me, and you have such an ethnocentric view that you're like America first, right? And you're running around with your American flag, and your cut-off jean shorts, and your uh, sun's out, guns out rituals, and, and you were kind of shocked to find out that we're not even close to the top of the list, right? We're not even close to the top of the list. There's this beautiful, vibrant Christian church that exists outside of our realm, outside of our realm. And it is unique and it is culturally different and it doesn't look like our church looks and it doesn't always necessarily do the things that our church does. And um, I found that to be interesting. But it also doesn't surprise me that Christianity is a global religion. And it is a global religion because our God is a God for all. And it is a global religion because our Savior was sent for all. And as we're going to see today, that was in the design of Scripture. We're going to start in Isaiah 53, 2. It's going to be on the screen for you to follow along with. If you want to follow along in your Bible or the Bible app, do that as well. This is what it says. 
For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as from one whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Now, if you know anything about Isaiah 53, it is in the Old Testament, and it is a chapter that is devoted to the coming Messiah. It is describing what the Christ will look like. And Christ, as we see here, came to the world as one of us, as one of us. There was nothing outwardly special about him at birth. We know his birth story. He was born to a poor family. He was born in, an, uh, in a manger, right? Surrounded by the, the livestock and where livestock would be living. There was no fanfare about him that people might naturally love him. And we, we know what that's like, right? To see somebody who uh, is famous and there's crowds around them and everybody's like, oh, who's that? What are they doing? And oh, it's so-and-so. And everybody's like, oh, yay, it's so-and-so. Like we just kind of fall naturally into that, right? But that didn't exist for Jesus. That did not exist for Jesus. There was no majesty that made him a king of a single nation. Now, entering the world in such a way opened him up to the possibility that all might despise him. And as we know in the story of Christ, many did. But it also paved the way that all might have access to him and that all might love him. Here's what we have to understand about Jesus' movement. Jesus' movement knows no bounds. It was and is the most culturally diverse and ethnically inclusive religious movement ever. It is for everyone, in all places, in all conditions, at all times. There is nothing more inclusive than the family of God. But that shouldn't surprise us because scripture, like I said, shows that it was always meant to be that way. It was always designed to be that way. If we look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, this is what it tells us. And these are God's words to Abraham. It says, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, here's the key, in you. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families. Not the Israelites, not those of your line. All the families of earth shall be blessed. Well, how does, uh, how can he say that? What does he mean by that? And this is what I'll tell you. It's because Jesus Christ came from the line of Abraham. And Jesus came for all, to bless everyone. The Savior of the world came from the line of Abraham. And this blessing was not just for the Jews. It was not just for the Jews, but for all people, for anyone who might place their faith in him, for anyone who might believe. And through Christ's coming, we saw the fulfillment of God's promise to his people. Let's look at these words in Romans 15. It's verse 8 through 13. It says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. 
And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. And in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You see, the global diversity of the church shows God's love for his people. And diversity is a reason for hope. The diversity of the church is a reason to hope. Why? Because it shows that God does not play favorites. Now we are going next week to look at election. And election is one of those things in Christianity that is kind of a tough concept. But I'm going to give a little bit of it away already. You'll find that election isn't the good versus the bad. It's not the loved versus the not loved. It's just those he chose and some were not chosen. But it's not that he shined light on one and turned his back on the other. Okay? That's not what's taking place. But what the diversity of the church does, it it tells us that God doesn't play favorites. There are no impossible preconditions for us to meet. There's nothing outside of our control to disqualify us. It's not like, well, I was born here to these parents in this place, and so now I don't qualify because that grant is only for certain people of a certain ethnicity, right? That's not how it works. We see that in our world quite a bit, but that's not how it works with Jesus. It's not about who our parents are. It's not about where we are born. It's not about cultural norms or cultural differences. It's not about what we do or don't understand. Our God is a God who keeps his promises, which is why Jesus came to not just be Lord of the Gentiles, but also to the Lord of the circumcised, which is referring to the Jews. Because God had made a promise way back in time to Abraham that his people would be blessed. But also that all families through him would be blessed. And this is a promise that we see kept. Our God is a God who keeps promises, who is available to all, and who loves all. Diversity does not weaken the family of God. It only makes us stronger. It only makes us stronger because we are able to then reach more. Now, part of the problem is that we use our diversity as a weapon. We use our diversity in the church as a weapon. Well, they think this. I can't believe they think that. Well, they do it that way. I can't believe they do it that way. Did you hear their music today? It was so loud, right? I can't believe that he didn't preach out of the King James Version. I mean, little tiny issues we don't think that are that serious, but things that we allow to divide us, and even larger things, when we look along denominational lines and And we say, well, uh, I can't go there. That church is Assemblies of God, right? I better not step foot. Or their church of Christ, I'm going to church my way on out of here, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, why do we do that? Why do we do that? It's okay. It is okay to identify a body of believers that sees things the way that you see things and, 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 and interprets certain parts of Scripture where there is freedom to interpret parts of Scripture in the way that you do. 
But it is not okay to cut off the rest of the Christian world because they are not exactly like us. That is not godly and it is not loving. It is not godly and it is not loving. And I hate to break it to you, but when you get to heaven, there's going to be people from all over the place in every walk of life with belief systems that don't look like your own. And that is beautiful. That's beautiful. Diversity and multiculturalism in Christianity is part of God's plan. Let's look at Revelation 5, 9 through 10. It says, They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, you who were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a singular kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. You see, the family of God contains everyone. What a beautifully painted picture of the heart of God the Father and Christ the Son, who through the blood of Christ has ransomed, has paid for not just the chosen, but those who would also choose God from every tribe, from every people, from every language, from every nation to form a single kingdom through which Christ will reign victoriously. That is the family of God. See, as I previously stated, it's not what separates us that is significant. That generally does not matter. It's not what separates us as individuals that matters. It's what binds us together that is significant. And we are bound in one family by Christ. Now, there's a tweet that has gained steam in certain Christian circles, and it has done so with reason. I tried to find it. I spent more time trying to find the author of this tweet this week than I did on the entirety of my sermon prep, and I spent a lot of time on sermon prep. I'm just telling you. But I was trying to track down this treat, tweet. Not treat. It's a tweet. Sometimes tweets are not treats, right? I was trying to track down this tweet. I was trying to figure out who said it so I could give them the credit. I'm rhyming like nobody's business up here. I'm a 90s rapper if I've ever heard one. We are good to go, right? And so this tweet is, is, has gained popularity, and I've heard it from multiple sources and from multiple different avenues, but I have no idea who says it. I have no idea who was the first one to say it, but I do know that I do agree with it. And this is what it says. Christians have more in common with someone who is inconceivably poor on the other side of the world and believes in Jesus than with someone from their own location, economic status, and political party who do not believe in Jesus. Wise man or woman in the era of Twitter. Okay? I'm going to read it one more time. Christians have more in common with someone who is inconceivably poor on the other side of the world and believes in Jesus than with someone from their own location, economic status, and political party who do not believe in Jesus. And that should be a truth in our lives. And if it's not, then it's time to do some self-introspection and figure out why that is not the case for us. I'm not saying that you can't have things in common. I'm not saying that you can't have friends that aren't Christians. I'm not saying that you can't 
have loving relationships with people that think differently than you. Don't hear that. What I am saying is that you have more in common with a person who looks nothing like you, lives nothing like you, but makes every decision through the lens of Jesus is the Christ and he is my Lord and Savior. You have more in common with that person than your next door neighbor who does not know Christ at all. And the problem is that in this moment in time, I'm not sure that we all see it that way. And I'm not talking just about Crosspoint Fellowship. I'm talking about the church as a whole. The global church. I'm not sure that we all see it that way. But in order to recognize the fullness of the family of God, we must learn about, appreciate, and take from Christianity as it exists in other cultures. I'll take you back to last week where I explained that we all have a role to play, right? And we can get the gist of the picture, right? If we're all a piece of the puzzle, if we're missing some of those pieces, we can kind of understand what the picture is supposed to look like, but we never get to recognize the fullness of the masterpiece that God is putting together if those pieces are gone from our life. This means that we have to make a concerted effort to step outside of our bubble in order to grow. And we have to seek not just churches in other states, but churches in other nations, churches in other countries, churches in what would look like to us other worlds in order to be the best version of ourselves, in order to be who God has called us to be, which is a unified family of God. And that is what we're going to talk about next week. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now, and I thank you for this day. I thank you that you are a God who is inclusive. You are a God who loves us. You are a God who judges us on our choices and the content of our character and not who we are from or where we are from or what it is that we have necessarily done, that you have made forgiveness available to all of us regardless of anything that we as human beings use to separate us, separation was not meant to be. We, we see that you have beautifully designed uniqueness, that you have beautifully designed different perspectives, that you have beautifully designed people that don't think like us, don't look like us, but believe in Jesus the way that we are called to believe in Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as a church in small Republic, Missouri, that you would help us to find ways to have a big impact in our world. Yes, God, locally, but also globally. How can we look at the church as a whole and, and be better from it? How can we look at our world as a whole and serve people that don't look like us and don't speak like us and don't think like us and don't dress like us? How can we remove the separation that we have self-imposed in our lives? We may be different. We may be different. But it's not those differences that matter. It is the fact that we are unified into one family through the blood of Christ. Help us to love that family and to tear down walls that we have put up in our life that would separate us from those that we love, should love, and that would love us. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. We're going to stand right now, and we're going to worship the God of all.
we are going to worship the God of all. And today I would encourage all of you, regardless of how you're feeling, to think now about the things that you have to be thankful for and to thank Him for those things and to focus on offering Him worship for those things. And if you need somebody to pray with you this morning, that is exactly why I'm standing up front here. It is to pray with you today. I would love, love, love to pray with you today. And I'm going to ask Allie, you're standing back there. She's got a, a babe with her, but uh, Emmett will pray with you too. If you need to pray with somebody and you don't want to pray with myself, I won't take offense to that. Allie is a, a titan of prayer. She loves to pray and she will pray for you without question. Uh, Shane, can you stand back over to that right side? Shane Coker is over here to the right. If you need somebody to pray with you, he would love to pray with you as well. I know that personally. Um, Rodney, can I have you, if you don't mind, and we're going to make Rodney come stand over here. So you've got options today, okay? You've got, you've got options. You've got demographics. You've got uh, as close to as, the, as much diversity as we have to offer. But uh, if, you would, if you would like to pray with somebody today, please step out. Be bold and go pray with them. Use our stage as an altar. It is there for you to pray with. The great thing about our God is that we can go directly to Him and He will hear you and you can be confident in that. So pray today. Pray today. If you need to talk about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to experience salvation, that is also what this time is for. Okay? If you'd like to talk about membership, then by all means we can talk about that. Let's talk about that after service. Okay? This is a time for prayer. It is a time for decision making to decide that Christ is your Lord and Savior. It is a time for reflection and a time for praise. Let's get going, guys.